Hey, welcome into another edition of the Doug Russell Podcast, post-NFL trading deadline edition. The Packers didn't do anything that resulted in anything, although they were, quote-unquote, in on talks. Uh, We'll get to that in just a couple of moments. Uh, Coming up this weekend, it'll be the Packers taking on the Detroit Lions. That is going to be a must-win for the Packers But then again, is it a must-win? We'll get to that coming up a little bit later on. Maybe this is just one of those seasons that's a lost year for the Packers, unfortunately. But um, all signs are kind of pointing to that, right? You don't want to think about a lost season if you're a Packers fan. And I understand why, because the Packers have been a relevant team in the NFL for a long, long time. And right now they look like an also-ran. It looks like this is a team that, well, a couple of things I think can be true of this Packers team. Uh, They went for it with Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers gives you a better chance to win than Jordan Love does. Period. End of story. That's not opinion. I think that's just fact. Uh, That doesn't mean that at at some point Jordan Love isn't going to turn into a quality NFL quarterback. I don't know whether or not it's going to happen for him in Green Bay or not, but the Packers have put so I wouldn't say all of their chips into the middle of the table, but very many of their chips into the middle of the table for Aaron Rodgers. They backed up the Brinks truck. This is a guy who's making $50 million a year. Did they spend that money wisely for him after last season, after his second straight MVP award and fourth overall MVP award? Um, I guess time's going to tell on that because there's going to be tens of millions of dollars that the Packers are going to have to pay on the back end in dead cap money for number 12. But let's get to the trading deadline for just a second before we kind of dive in to this Packers team. The Packers were apparently in on a couple of trades, most notably the one between that eventually wound up being between Pittsburgh and Chicago. The Bears wound up with wide receiver Chase Claypool, Chicago giving up a second rounder. Reports indicated that Green Bay was in on that deal before Chicago swooped in. Is a second rounder too much for a guy like Chase Claypool? I would say if you're going for it this year, no. But it's possible that the Packers have already looked at what they've done, looked at who's ahead, and said, you know what? We're not going to mortgage any more of the future than we already have. A couple of other trades uh, by the way, this one was kind of surprising. The Detroit Lions, who are going absolutely nowhere, and that's who the Packers have this weekend, which is partially why this weekend, why Sunday's game is a must-win for Green Bay. Uh, they're not going anywhere, but they traded their talented young tight end, T.J. Hawkinson. He goes to the Minnesota Vikings. I think that's a good deal for Minnesota for this year because you know, you've know you got one team that's 6-1 and one, Minnesota, and they're going to go for it. They should. And then you've got Detroit, 1-6. and six. And I've remarked... On this uh, a couple of times, I watch HBO uh, Hard Knocks. I watch it every year. Some years are better than others. I think that they went through kind of a lull starting with the Oakland soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders a few years ago when it was John Gruden and knock on wood, if you're with me. That was a dull season right after the Cleveland Browns put together a pretty remarkable season where you really got an inside look. and. Uh, Listen, NFL teams think mostly that they're keeping state secrets. Most of the time, NFL teams, they look at everything they do as something that just has to be kept so under wraps. And so it was really a revolution when NFL Films partnered with HBO, and NFL Films obviously 
an arm of the National Football League. You're always trying to bring new fans in. And they came up with this concept about 15 years ago called Hard Knocks. And it's training camp. And they've done full seasons of it as well. They did a full season with the Los Angeles Rams a few years ago. Uh, They did one with the Carolina Panthers. I forget who it was last year. I know that this year coming up uh, next week, Wednesday, that'll be the premiere of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I know that um, Amazon Prime has, has broadcast those. Uh, as well over the years. It's it's a really fascinating inside look at how an NFL team really works. But in the last several years, it's been pretty useless. They did a COVID year edition with the Los Angeles Rams and L.A. Chargers. Uh, that was as dry as dirt. Um, I forget who it was last year because it was pretty forgotten. Oh, it was the Dallas Cowboys. It was, you know, I looked at the Dallas Cowboys season in 2021. You know, it's hey Mike McCarthy. We all know this guy. We all have covered this guy. Wanted to see more of Mike McCarthy, and we got nothing. This past year was okay. This past year was much better uh, with the Detroit Lions, with one exception. Every single year, I watch HBO's Hard Knocks, and I come away from HBO Hard Knocks thinking that the team is going to be better than what they turn out to be. And there are certain criteria that a team has to fit within if you're going to be required by the league to be on HBO's Hard Knocks. And I know that they would be absolutely salivating to get their hands on the Green Bay Packers. But if you're a playoff team or had been a playoff team the two previous years, you're exempt. You don't have to be on HBO's Hard Knocks. If you're going through a coaching change, you don't have to be on HBO's Hard Knocks. So there's certain criteria that the the Packers have always fallen within for exemption of that. And that's not the case with the Detroit Lions. They don't have a new coach this year, Dan Campbell, uh, entering his second season, and they haven't made the playoffs in the last couple of years and then some. So they were eligible this year and this is the only time that I've ever watched HBO's Hard Knocks and thought worse of the team after the show than I did before it began. This Lions team sucks out loud. They are a bad football team. And I also think, and I like Dan Campbell, I don't know how much of a X's and O's coach he is. I think guys play hard for him. But as far as being a strategist, being someone who makes good in-game decisions, who makes good hiring decisions, I'm not convinced that that guy is what he purports to be, and he purports to be the dude. So while I like Dan Campbell, and I think it would be fun to play for Dan Campbell, I think he's kind of a lousy coach. Or at least he hasn't given me any evidence to the contrary of him being a lousy coach. But guys play hard for him. But they're still 1-6 on the season. So I guess the the big winner in the NFL's trading deadline is TJ Hawkinson because he gets to go from a 1-6 team to a 6-1 team. That looks like they're going places. And the Vikings are going to run away with the NFC North. And part of that is because of what we've seen over the last four weeks. Over the last four weeks, we've seen this Packers team lose three very winnable games and then play a good half against maybe the NFL's best who didn't have a great week. But still, the Buffalo Bills were able to win 27-17 to against a Packers team that just quite frankly isn't very good. So why isn't this Packers team very good? 
the three previous seasons, they won 13 games. The first three years under Matt LaFleur, they won 13 games. It was 13-3, and 13-3, and, and then last year they added the 17th game. They were 13-4. and four. But they haven't had success in the postseason. We all know that. So this was the year going into training camp and throughout the preseason and before they got smacked around TCF Bank Stadium that uh, or U.S. Bank Stadium. I get the stadiums. There's so many of them in Minneapolis. I mix them up. The, the New Metrodome. Before they got smacked around New Metrodome by the Vi- uh, Vikings in week one, the narrative was, okay, regular season's great. We've seen regular season success. Now it's time to win in January. Now, the problem with that is you've got to get to January before you can win in January. And this doesn't look like a team that's going to be able to get to January just based on how stacked up and outside of the top teams like Philadelphia and Dallas is having a very good start to the season like they always do, but they always seem to fall apart at the end. But Dallas is off to a good start to the season and talked about Minnesota as well. And then there's that next tier. I still think that San Francisco is very good. I still think we haven't seen the best from the L.A. Rams. I, the, the Super Bowl championship hangover, that is real. I think it's real in every sport. I think it's real in basketball. We saw it with the Bucks a year ago. I think it's real in baseball. But it's really, really real in the National Football League. Because the, your offseason goes from a quiet off-season, and then you start to prepare for the mini-camps and the training camps, and maybe you go on a vacation, maybe you go overseas, maybe you take the family out, you know, to, uh, you know, Vegas. You wouldn't take the family to Vegas, but maybe you'd take them on on a trip to Paris or something. I don't know. You go where families go. Um, And some guys take that opportunity to recharge their batteries and you don't hear anything from them. But if you win a Super Bowl, everybody wants a chunk of you. Everybody wants a piece of you. The best example that I can give you is what happened to the Bucks when they won their NBA championship. It was January or it was July 20th, 2021. And then what about two and a half months later, they were back in training camp, which is nuts because everybody wants a piece of them. And these guys don't get a chance to recharge. So that hangover is real. We haven't seen the best from that Rams team yet. And I still think that there's some other teams out there. Seattle's kind of hanging in there. Uh, you look at the NFC East, it's a damn good division right now. I don't know if there's room for the Packers in the postseason. I don't know if there's room for them to make a run, considering who's left on their schedule. And that's possibly what Brian Gutekunst was looking at when he wasn't willing to part with a second rounder or whomever the Chicago Bears were willing to part with to bring in a guy like Chase Claypool or any of the other wide receivers that were out on the market. You look and assess at what you've got, and you know what? We're just going to ride this thing out until the end of the season, and then that's that. And that's why... I look at this game on Sunday against the Detroit Lions. Is it a must win? Well, if they have any hope of playing in January, I mean, beyond the end of the regular season, sure. But it's possible that this season is a wash. There have been seasons that, even when Aaron Rodgers was healthy, you go back to you know 2018, and that was the year that Mike McCarthy wound up getting fired. But they were 6-9-1. 
they were only they're a six win team with a healthy Aaron Rodgers. I mean, everybody's get everybody's banged up, and he hurt his knee, and that you know hampered his play throughout much of the season. But he didn't miss any games. He was still your starting quarterback for all sixteen games. Every season is not predicated on the last in the NFL. So. You can be disappointed if you're a Packers fan. And I listen, I get that. I this season has been terribly disappointing. But after the third loss to the uh, Washington Commanders, and especially after the fourth loss in a row, this is what I caution against. Because I get asked a lot on social media, Twitter primarily, who do you think should be fired? Got to fire Matt LaFleur. Being out coached every week. Got to fire Brian Gouda because he's not doing his job to get this team the best players that he possibly can. He's got to be fired. Well, listen, I get the frustration. And I would so much rather have a fan base that gets pissed off when the team doesn't do well that you want heads to roll. That means you're passionate. It means you're still engaged. It means you haven't given up. I would much rather have that than a fan base that doesn't give a shit. And that's not anything that you will ever be able to say about Packers fans. Packers fans care. Packers fans are are passionate. But you're not going to fire Matt LaFleur. You're not going to fire a coach who won 13 games in each of his first three seasons. It's not going to happen. In no universe does it exist where Matt LaFleur, after winning 13 games in his rookie season, then another 13, then another 13, then he has some challenges. Has he been out coaching in a couple of games? Sure. But he's had a couple of challenges this year. And he's not going to get fired. It's just full stop. It is not going to happen. Are there going to be changes to the coaching staff at the end of the season? Well, there's always tweaks to it. Uh, If you want to find fault with Joe Barry, okay, I'll entertain that. The Packers defense has not been as good as advertised this year. If you want to find fault with Brian Gutekunst, okay. I'll accept that because the Packers, as an organization, and he leads the football department in the organization, the Packers organization did not plan well enough for the absence of Devontae Adams. And he's having a miserable year out in Las Vegas, and I think that if he had the opportunity to redo that decision, he might just redo that decision. Maybe I can hang hang out with Aaron for one more year. Maybe I can get those airplanes that are flying Graham Graham from... Northern California to Las Vegas. Maybe maybe we could just give Graham Graham maybe a, a, an extra sedative or something, and maybe we can maybe we can get her to Green Bay because uh, they do land planes in Green Bay. They have an airport. It's called Austin Straubel. I've flown into it, so it does exist. So why Graham Graham can get to Las Vegas and never was able to get to to Green Bay that that one escapes me a little bit. But that's neither here nor there. This is the first season in more than 30 years that the Packers haven't had a Pro Bowl caliber wide receiver. 
certainly it's the first time in Aaron Rodgers' career that he hasn't had a Pro Bowl caliber wide receiver. He's always had a legitimate number one. And going into the season, his legitimate number one was a question mark. His legitimate number one was Alan Lazard, maybe? Was it Sammy Watkins? And I like, listen, I like Alan Lazard. I like Sammy Watkins. I think they say all the right things. I think they care. I think they want to be here and they want to excel and they want this team to succeed and they look at Aaron Rodgers as someone who can get them to that next level like he got so many other wide receivers to that next level and help this team win and get this team to January and then when they get to January, anything can happen. We saw that the last time they won the Super Bowl. We saw that in 2010. This was a Packers team that was 8-6. and six. This was a team that had a banged-up Aaron Rodgers who had to miss a game because of a concussion. But they played a game with Matt Flynn at quarterback, lost in prime time to the New England Patriots. And in essence, with two regular season games left, the playoffs had begun, and they caught fire. And they beat the Bears on the last game of the season. That catapulted them into the playoffs at 10-6. and six. Then they had to go to Philadelphia. They upset the Eagles. Then they had to go to Atlanta and upset the top seed Atlanta Falcons, and that game was over midway through the third quarter. The Georgia Dome was empty, except for Packers fans. And then they had to go to Chicago to knock off the division champion and arch-rival Chicago Bears for bragging rights forever. And then they had to go to the Super Bowl as underdogs and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. So if you get to the tournament, it can be done. Look at the Philadelphia Phillies for crying out loud. They tried to give the wild card to the Brewers until they got hot in October. And now they're in the World Series. So it can be done. You just have to get hot at the right time. So is this Packers season over? I don't think it is. But you're going to have to... You're going to have to see the play pick up coming up on Sunday at Detroit. But look at the wide receivers that the Packers have had. I mean, you know, you you go from Sterling Sharp to Robert Brooks, who was very good for a couple of years. Antonio Freeman was a Pro Bowl caliber guy. Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams. And now who? You've had 30 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play. You've had 30-plus years of Pro Bowl wide receivers. The Packers did not do a good enough job in the offseason to offset the loss of Devontae Adams for 2022, period. There's no question about that. Yes, they've been hamstrung by a couple of things. They're, they're hamstrung by Aaron Rodgers' salary. They're hamstrung by David Bakhtiari's salary that hasn't paid off yet because he hasn't been able to stay on the field consistently. Although, he was very good on Sunday night against the Bills. Very good. So was Aaron Jones. Got to get him the ball more. And that's one of the reasons why I think they were able to chip away at Buffalo in the second half. Aaron, Just feed Aaron Jones. 20 carries, 143 yards. Remarkable performance from Aaron Jones. All right. Uh, after every game on Monday mornings, uh, I join my friend Phil Cianciola, who I worked with years and years and years and years ago uh, at WTMJ Radio in Milwaukee. He now works at another place that I used to call home, WOSH Radio in uh, Oshkosh. And every Monday I join him for a pack chat called Pack Yak. And uh, it's just 
uh, a fun exchange between the two of us. And uh, I'm going to bring you a sample of that. And if you want to check it out, you can uh, find Phil Cianciola on social media. I think it's just at Cianciola on Twitter. And you can find how to uh, subscribe to that and all of the things that he does up there. But I wanted to give you just a little taste of what we do on Monday mornings on WOSH Radio in Oshkosh. It's time once again for the wildly popular Packers segment. Pack Yak. Let's go, baby. I'm listening. How much of that was yes? This is Rod Star of the Green Bay Packers. Go, you Packers. Go. Huddle up. It's time for Pack Yak. With Doug Russell and Phil Cianciola. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, thank you, Yaki. Well, going back to 1979, the Packers were winless in six games in Buffalo at Orchard Park, and that didn't change last night. Final score, if you missed it, if you went to bed, Bills 27, Packers 17. Four losses in a row now, something that hasn't happened since 2016. The Packers are now 3-5 and five this season. Let's welcome in my Pacquiao co-host, Doug Russell, from The Game in Milwaukee, the radio flagship station of the Green Bay Packers. Good morning, Doug. How are you on this Halloween morning? Good morning, Phil. I'm tired because I have, obviously, because of uh, my duties at the game, I have to stay up for the bitter end and then some. Yeah. When did when did you go to bed? Did you stay till the bitter end? I stayed. Uh, I, you know what? I left on a high moment, and it was Jair Alexander giving the football to the little kid with the Green Bay gear on after his pick. Okay. So I said, oh, that's a nice way to end it. I'm going to bed. I'm out of here. That's probably a good place yeah. to uh, you know peace out on the game last night. It was kind of a tale of two halves. I thought the Packers played pretty miserable in the first half, and then they played better in the second half. But it wasn't enough. The Bills still come away with the win, and a 10-point win at that 27-17. And the Packers, they've lost now, as everyone now knows, four in a row. So, yeah. I, I Listen, I'll ask you this. I don't know if you're uh, in on this bandwagon or not, but it seems to me the spin from Packer Nation and the talking heads this morning after seeing what we saw last night was, I'm hearing this, well, at least they ran the ball well against a good run defense, and I don't know that I really want to hear that this morning. What would make you feel better? Is there anything that I can do? Because sometimes part of my job is to be a grief counselor, and I feel like... You know, there's there there were some decent takeaways. Yes, they lost the game. Nobody's going to convince you of anything different. Mm. But I feel like if there's anything I can do to perhaps assuage your fears that the Packers are just going to roll over and play dead, I I feel like that's my duty, uh, my Pacquiao duty, if you will. Well, I see what you're saying there. I mean, they certainly did not do that. There was fight in them. Yeah, probably a little bit too much. <laughs> yeah, I I don't you know. I, it's just, here's the thing, okay? Uh, before I get into some specifics, Doug, I'm I'm flashing back to my boyhood. Like, you, you know, your Packers are on national television and you're supposed to get cited, excited if they complete a 15-yard pass. Like, that's a big deal. We have been extraordinarily spoiled yes. in the state of Wisconsin for the last three decades. Oh, my gosh, have we ever. Have we so, ever. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I my coming of age is a... As a young Packers fan growing up in Waukesha, mm-hmm. was to get up on Sunday morning 
go to mass, come back from mass, change into my Trudell Middleton Packers number 34 <laughs> without the name Middleton on the back because they didn't do that back then. Nice. I would have my replica Packers helmet, which is still, I still have it. It's in my basement right now. It's part of the shrine. Cool. Um, that would always be next to me as well, and I would watch them get smoked by insert <laughs> opponent here. Yeah. Uh, and that was just my childhood. And then by about mid-third quarter, early fourth quarter, my brother and I would go outside and throw the football around because there was no more football that was worth watching. Yeah, I got you. That's cool. Well, so, I, I mean, if you're looking for an, a positive, uh, Romeo Dobbs' catch was spectacular. Let's start there. Mm-hmm. Question, Romeo Dobbs was great. Question for you. Mm-hmm. The P.I., the offensive P.I. on Tanya, and, uh, uh, touched on Tanya. And, uh, yeah, what, it was a bad call. Come on, right? It was a bad call. Am I missing something there? No, it was a bad call. Okay, I don't think anybody with any reasonable, uh, I guess, objectivity would say anything different. There was a lot of ticky tack last night, though. That wasn't the only call that was ticky tack. The Packers got a couple of ticky tack calls called their way. Nothing that was as big as the Tunyon call because that I, I think was to a certain extent. I don't think the Packers would have won the game if that would have gone the other way, but I think the outcome might have been a little bit closer. Uh, But it was a bad call. No, there's no question. Bad call. A few minutes of Phil Cianciola and me from his morning radio show in Oshkosh on WOSH Radio. We call it Pacquiac, or he calls it Pacquiac. I am merely the guest. I just drop in and uh, talk some Packers every Monday after a Packers game. Hopefully we'll be talking about a Packers win this week and also catch my pregame show on 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee and throughout the state of Wisconsin starting at 7 a.m. on Sunday morning. We'll give you a preview of the game prior to that. Uh, We'll hear from Aaron Rodgers. We'll hear from Matt LaFleur. And uh, we'll also maybe drop in a couple of surprise guests along the way as well. But that'll do it for this midweek edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. Hopefully, we'll be talking next week about a Packers win, but we'll give you a full preview coming up uh, later on this week, as I mentioned. That'll do it for us. We'll catch you next time. Have a good one.